week. I know for some of you that may be a surprise, but I had a thought this week. And I'm thinking that, you know, in many ways, or at least in some ways, you are a lot like me. I know, Wilmer, you're saying, oh, please, no. But I think that many of you are a lot like me. And in fact, I think it's just part of human nature that we all like to be rewarded for things that we do. How many of you like a paycheck at the end of the week after working? Yeah, same here. How many of you like a bonus because maybe you've reached a sales goal or maybe you know something happened um, and you get a bonus? Do you like bonuses? I see that hand, Ross. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, you know, absolutely. We love to be rewarded for the good things that we do. I like to be recognized for a job well done as well. See, I think we all have that in common. Now, do you know, are you aware that as Christians, we will be rewarded for the good deeds that we do? We will be rewarded for the good deeds that we do. You know, and maybe, just maybe, you got a reward for coming to church this morning. I think you should get a reward because you have to sit through one of my sermons, you know. But just maybe you got a reward for coming to church this morning. Now, rewards is totally different from our salvation, As the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Titus 3 says this. When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. The good deeds don't save us. The good deeds are a result of our salvation. So that's what I'm talking about this morning, the good deeds that are a result of our salvation. Now, Many years ago, back when I was young and good-looking, I had a... Oh, my word. I forgot. Thank you. Media 2-5, all children in grades 2 to 5. Thank you. You may head out to the back. You know what? I even had that written on the very top of my sermon notes. But I was so excited to preach this morning that I didn't even look at that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That was not a job well done, right, Mark? All right, well, doggone, there goes my whole sermon. Well, (laughs) thanks for coming this morning. We'll just, uh, 
what you have to put up with. I know. She's sorry. All right. And I know. And I, there were a number of kids that came up to me and asked me this morning, is there media 2.5? And I even checked on it, and I said, yes, there is. How fast I forget. A number of years ago, when I was a youth pastor, I, I created a rewards program so that they could earn money to go to a youth conference. And I had this thing set up where if they came to church, if they um, came to youth group, if they read their Bible, you know, they had all these things that if they did these, they could earn money to go to a youth conference. And a parent came up to me and said, you know, I really don't like that. I think that what you are doing is totally wrong because they should be doing it anyway. And here we're rewarding them for things that they should be doing. And I said, yes, that is true. But it's also biblical. 1 Corinthians 3, 7, and 8. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their work. Hebrews 11.6, we just heard this verse just a few weeks ago. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Matthew 5. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. 2 John 8. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked so hard to achieve. Be diligent so that you receive your full reward. Luke 6. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. Ephesians 6. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. 1 Corinthians 3. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. As you can see from these verses, that's 
we will receive a reward for doing what we are supposed to be doing. Isn't that kind of cool? You're not doing that for nothing. You're going to get a reward. You just didn't show up to church for nothing. You're going to get a reward because you were disciplined enough to get up, get dressed, and come here. Aren't you glad, Ethan? You're psyched, I know. So when do we get these rewards? When when, when are these rewards going to come? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Romans 14. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So these rewards are going to happen when we get to heaven. When we get to heaven, we are going to stand before God's judgment seat and receive the rewards that we have earned while we were here on earth. That's going to take some, it's going to take place sometime after the rapture, after Jesus comes back and takes all believers up to heaven. And during that time, there's going to be the judgment seat of Christ when we will receive our, our rewards. Now, in both 2 Corinthians and in Romans, when they talk about the judgment seat, it's the Greek word bima. And bima is used in the Gospels, it's used in the book of Acts, and also Paul uses this word bima. And it was a raised platform where a judge would sit and meet out judgment. If, you know, you would come, you had a dispute with someone, you would come to the judge who's sitting on the bima, and he would execute judgment. It was also a platform where a judge would sit who is judging a race, like for the Olympics or the back in Paul's days, the Isthmus Games. And so the judge would sit on the bima, that race platform, and this judge would watch and make sure that the runners are all staying in their lane, they're playing by the rules, you know, and then the judge would see who won. And then the judge would go down and get the one who won and bring them up to the bima and then place a laurel wreath on that person's head because they were the victor in that race. And so Paul uses the term bima, just denoting that it's a place where we are going to be given rewards for what we have done here in this lifetime. So bima is not a place where we as Christians will be judged for our sins because Jesus did that. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus paid the price for our sins. 1 John 2.2 says, 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Romans 8 says this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So our sins are forgiven. So when we stand before the the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ, it's not to be judged for our sins, but it's to be judged for the good deeds that we did here in this life. Now, there is a judgment for sins, but it's not for Christians. It's called the white throne judgment. And you can read about that in Revelation 20, where people stand before the white throne judgment, and if their name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, they are not a Christian. They are judged for their sins, for their, basically their sin of unbelief in Jesus, and then they are cast into the lake of fire. That is for unbelievers, the white throne judgment. The judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat, is judgment for us, for Christians, and our judgment is on what we have done here on this earth. Now, what's kind of interesting is that the Bible talks about crowns, that we will be given crowns. I have a crown sitting up here. And do you know what the Greek term for crown is? Stephanos. What does that kind of sound like? My name. My name is Stephen. The Greek name for crown is Stephanos. So I am the crown jewel of Waterway. No, only kidding. And actually, when that Stephanos term was used, it was used to denote a royal crown, you know, a gold crown with precious jewels in it. But when Paul was talking about the Bema seat, he was referring to an athletic contest where they get a laurel wreath put on their head because they were the victor in the race or the javelin throw or whatever they did back in those Isthmus games. Well, the Bible mentions five different crowns. We're going to take a look at those five different crowns this morning. The first one can be found in 1 Corinthians 9. I call it the victor's crown. The victor's crown. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do not... They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize." Everyone competes in the games, goes into strict training. They become disciplined in what they eat, how they train. They constantly work at it. They are disciplined. And Paul says, you know what? They do it to get a crown that's going to 
fade away. That's going, the laurel wreath is going to dry up and be no good. But you know what? We are disciplined. We discipline ourselves to get a crown that's going to last forever. That's why I said you might get a crown for coming here this morning because you are disciplined enough to get yourselves out of bed to come here. Or unless your parents made you, I don't know, but one of those things. So the reward, the crown, the victor's crown, is for those who are self-disciplined. That may be saying no to temptation. That may be saying, yes, I'm going to read my Bible and pray today. That may be saying, you know what, I need to go and talk to that person to make things right. I don't know what all that accomplishes, but it's discipline. When you discipline yourself to do what God wants us to do, we get the victor's crown. The second crown we're going to take a look at is the crown of rejoicing found in 1 Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? This crown is for those who share their faith. As Paul says, for what is our hope, our joys, and the crown in which we glory? It's you guys. It's because when I shared about Jesus, you responded. And so this crown that Paul is rejoicing in is that people have responded to the gospel. This crown is for those who are sharing your faith. So how are we doing that? How well are we doing that? There is a special crown when we share our faith with those who are around us. People in our everyday interactions, how are we sharing Jesus with them? How do they know about the love of Jesus? When we share our faith, there is a crown waiting for us. The third crown we're going to take a look at is the crown of righteousness. It can be found in 2 Timothy 4.8. Now, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This crown is for those who desire to see Jesus, who long for heaven, our final home. I mean, we're just passing through this earth. I mean, this earth is not our final home. Thank goodness. I want someplace a whole lot nicer. This isn't bad, but heaven sure beats it by far. Do you long to be with Jesus? Do you long to see Jesus? This crown is reserved for those who long to see Jesus. I had a professor in grad school, and he reminded us constantly to always be alive. 
always be alive. And he said, alive means always living in view of eternity. So be alive. Be alive that we're looking forward to that time where we see Jesus face to face. The fourth crown we're going to take a look at is found in James 1.12. The crown of life. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood that test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life is given to those who keep the faith. As trials, as persecution comes, as even being made fun of comes, are we standing for Jesus? Are we saying, you know, no matter what, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm letting them know that this is what I believe. Because when we do that, we have earned the crown of life. So we take a stand for Jesus. You earn a crown. The fifth crown we take a look at is the crown of glory found in 1 Peter 5. And here, talking to the elders, it says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. The crown is given to those who have served as elders in the church for their faithful service and, and caring for the needs of the people in their church by leading by example, by serving selflessly. The crown of glory for those people. As we looked at each of those crowns, aren't those crowns given for everything we should be doing anyway? Absolutely. Yes, they are. But the cool thing is, on top of doing what we should be doing anyway, you know, it's like having just an angel food cake with nothing on it. Now, some of you guys like that. You know, <laughs> I want the chocolate icing smeared on top, nice and thick. Well, that's kind of like the way it is with these rewards, you know? We, okay, we're doing what we should be doing because, you know, as a Christian, I'm doing my duty. But then God puts that chocolate icing on nice and thick and says, you know what? For doing that, I'm going to give you a reward. Isn't that going to be something? When we stand before God, walking away with an armload of rewards and crowns because... 
We just did what we're supposed to be doing anyway. But, <clears throat> well, Ephesians 2.10 says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 1 Timothy 6.18. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. Being rich in good works. See, I think that earning these crowns is part of our laying up treasures in heaven. Remember Jesus talking about that? Hey, don't lay up treasures here on earth where moth and rust you know, will corrupt and it'll fade away. No, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And that's what I think this is all about. Earning these crowns, getting rewarded for doing the things that we're supposed to be doing anyway, we're laying up for ourselves the treasures in heaven. So what are we going to do with those crowns once we get them? We're going to put them on our shelves in, in our mansion up in heaven? You know, oh, look at the crowns I got. I got three more than Wilmer. Aren't I good? No. Revelation 4 says this. This was part of the vision that John had about heaven. And he writes this. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. The crowns that we have earned, we are going to lay at the feet of Jesus, right before the throne, as we follow the 24 elders, follow their example. Because the truth of the matter is, it was the Lord who gave us the strength to earn those crowns in the first place. He was the one who helped us to be disciplined enough to say no to temptation, to read our Bible and pray. He is the one who energizes us and strengthens us to be able to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. For you see, we are just a vessel for God to use. That's why we are going to recognize that, yeah, we might have done those things, but it's because of God's spirit working within us that we were able to earn those rewards. So in putting them at the feet of Jesus, we are recognizing who the true author was of us earning those rewards. Because it's all about Jesus and not about us. Well, the Olympics start in 43 days. I don't know if you're excited about that. I am. I always love to watch the Olympics and tell you what, there's going to be hundreds of athletes there who have trained and, tra and trained for an extra year so they can participate 
in the Olympics. They have become disciplined, they have worked hard, they have done the things necessary in order to compete in their event at the Olympics. Paul talks about that in the book of Philippians. He says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Folks, we're all in this race together. We are all running this race. Are we running to win the prize? It takes focus, it takes discipline, it takes work. And I believe God realizes that and understands that, and he says, you know what? I'm going to reward you for what you are doing. Even though you're supposed to be doing it anyway, you're going to get a reward. And what a blessing it will be. So take those awards that God has given us and to say, here you go. Thanks. Thanks for using me. Thanks for making me a part of your family. They're yours. Man, what a day that's going to be. What a day that's going to be. So let's run, folks. Let's run this race together. Let's encourage one another as we run this race together so that we will win the prize and that we will be rewarded for what we have done for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for these words from your word, God, to remind us that we are going to be awarded crowns because of the things that you helped us do here on earth. God, thank you for working through us, for working in us. Lord, thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.